Uh, it's good to see everybody here today. Glad that you guys came out and were able to make it here and that you always choose Bethesda to be your church. So that's, uh, we're very grateful for that. Um, hope everyone had a fantastic week. Did anybody get a four-day week, This like a four-day work week? Yeah, yeah, some of us did. Some of us, I did. And then so for the rest of you, too bad, so sad. Um, that's just how that works. But I was telling them this morning that if you have a four-day work week, sometimes those Monday holidays kind of kick you sometimes because you have to make up all that work that you missed on Monday, and then you only have four days to do it, and then it's just the work week seems a lot longer. But uh, I'm glad that everybody had a good week, and uh, hopefully you were able to take some good time and spend it with your family and things like that. Uh, this is the last installment of our expectancy the cost of a life worth living series um, and in this series we have been going through the book of Daniel a chapter at a time and we've been highlighting different character traits that I believe will help us all live a life that is worth living um, my prayer during this sermon series for you guys has basically just been that you would find something throughout this entire sermon series that you could hold on to something that you could apply to your everyday life and that would help you live a better life, a life that is more uh, disciplined, more structured, a life that is more successful. Um, and ho I know that, you know, I realize that not everybody's going to remember every single week. Like, you don't go, you're not going to remember every single characteristic that we talked about. I understand that. We're human. We have a lot of stuff going on. And I drone sometimes. So I realize that. But hopefully you heard something throughout this series that has really challenged you, something that has caused you to maybe try harder in certain areas or do things differently or try a new thing and so hopefully you've done that and I believe that if you do you will find that your life will be more successful if you will just take the risk of of applying these traits to your life daily I promise you'll see changes in your in your personal life in your professional life in your Christian life you'll see changes and some of us just need change right yeah and so that's just how it is. I mean, we get kind of mundane, and we get kind of bogged down, and we just need change sometimes. And if you'll do these things, I promise you'll see changes in your life. Um, we've been going through Daniel, and today we're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to be reading about one of the most popular stories in the Bible, um, Daniel and the lion's den. And even if, you know, you were a person who didn't grow up in church, you probably have heard bits and pieces of the story of Daniel and the lion's den, it's one of those stories that's just classic. You learn it first thing when you go to church as a little kid. They teach it, and um, it's an awesome story. But because it's been taught so much and because it's been droned about so much, oftentimes as adults we glaze over it. We think, well, I know it. I don't need to read it. Or I've seen that. I've heard that. I've read that. Whatever. So we just kind of gloss over it. We don't really read it. We don't think we can take anything new from it. But Today we're going to read it, and you're going to realize that, man, I didn't think of that, or, or man, you know, that's something else that I can take from that, or there's something else I can learn. And, and so today, as we're reading through, the characteristic or the trait that I want to highlight is the fact that Daniel is a risk taker. And sometimes in our lives, we have to be willing to take risks. If you talk to any businessman, if you talk to um, anybody who's a leader of an organization, or just anybody as an individual, They'll tell you that sometimes to get high reward, you have to take a high risk. 
Sometimes you have to go out on a limb. That just happens sometimes. And by doing that, you'll grow. You'll grow as a person. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail as we go along. But if you'll turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6 this morning, we'll go ahead and we'll read uh, this chapter. It is long, but it's interesting, so it won't be too bad. Daniel chapter 6, and I'm reading out of the NLT version. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 different provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Daniel has, he's not just over the provinces, he's over the people who are over the provinces. So Daniel, again, is back up in a high position. If you remember last time, he was kind of demoted last week, and now this week he's back up to a very high position. And because he has shown himself more capable, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So you got the king, and then it'll be Daniel. So Daniel will be second in command over the entire empire. Again, this is not the first time this has happened to Daniel, if you've been tracking with us. And so Daniel is a fascinating person, wouldn't you say, to rise through the ranks that many times at his young age, just keep keep getting promoted and promoted and promoted. That's awesome. That's something I want in my life, and probably you do too. You want more success, more things happening, and so Daniel is an awesome person to mimic yourself after, but he has shown himself to be more capable. And since the king was going to do this, this is verse 4, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way of Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. These guys are jealous, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn in Daniel. He was faithful always responsible and completely trustworthy. Does that fit anybody's description in here? Anybody at all? You, are you completely trustworthy? Are you always faithful? Uh, do we mess up sometimes? <laughs> like, how does Daniel do this? It's, it's, it's amazing to me. So they concluded, because they couldn't find anything wrong with him, they concluded, and this is, sorry, verse 5, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty... Issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its window open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you know 
Did you not sign a law for the next 30 days? Any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Now, if we look back at verse 11, he's talking, the officials go to his house and they find him praying to God and they find him asking for God's help. Now, Daniel is already in this super high position. He's already got all this success and he has all these things, but he never forgets that he has to ask God for help every single day. And, and sometimes we forget that because we think, well, maybe I'm far enough along or I've got this taken care of. I've got this handled. I've got this much success now or I've had this much success in my past or I've come this far from my past that we think we're good. We don't need God's help now. We're good. But Daniel never forgets that no matter how far along he is, he's getting ready to be second command to the whole empire again. He still needs to ask for God's help. And we forget that as Christians sometimes. We forget and we, we mess up. And that's one of our shortcomings. That's one of mine for sure. But I try all the time before I preach or before I sing or before I do anything, I try to always ask God for help because I know who I am as a person. And I know that... <laughs> I suck sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I'm not as good as a person as I need to be. And so I know that I need God's help. I know that before I preach a sermon, he has to be, his spirit has to be working through me or else this ain't going to work because I cannot speak well. <laughs> so this is, I mean, that's just how it is. He never forgets to ask for God's help. And the king replied, yes, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, That man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Now, I highlighted this morning that it's interesting that Daniel's come this long way. Like I've said several times, he's had all these different promotions. Yet, when these people look at him, what do they see? They see the captive of Judah. They see the prisoner of war. And it's like our lives, isn't it? Like we, we become a Christian, we start changing things, we start doing things differently, we start making progress, and then somebody reminds you, well, you used to be this, though. You know, like you were that. Like just, you remember a week ago, <laughs> you were like cussing people out, you remember that? Like what changed then? Or you were lying last week, what happened this week? Like what's the, what's the change there? I still see that person. You're still the same person. Like, they won't let that thing go. But the beautiful thing is, is that God says, I see you as my son, my daughter. I see you as new, a new creation. It doesn't matter if you're a prisoner of war. It doesn't matter if you were a sinner last week. It doesn't matter if you messed up last time or however many times. God says, today you're new. Today you're mine. And that's how this thing works. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? That in our lives... People will always bring up your past. But that doesn't matter because God sees you as something new. He sees you as something amazing. But they see Daniel, who is going to be second in command of this empire, as still just a captive from Judah. And he's praying three times a day. Verse 14, hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, 
May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seal of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in the, his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. The lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He was rescued, Daniel, from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Wow. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. God, we just, we just are so, so in awe of everything that you do, of this awesome story of Daniel, God. Just, we ask you that you would be with us today. God, that you would help us hear something individually from your Holy Spirit that would help us to have a more successful life, a more Daniel-like life, God, that you would speak to us individually and give us a message that we need to hear. Open our minds, open our hearts, open our ears to your still, small voice, God, and allow us to hear you clearly today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel is a risk taker. Would you agree with that statement? <laughs> I mean, he takes an all, a pretty, pretty big risk. And he fully understands what's going to happen. Like, it's not that he didn't know. It says that he heard that the king signed the thing, but he still went ahead and prayed anyway. He knew the outcome. He knew what this could cost him, but he didn't care. And it didn't matter. Like, he just was going to continue to be faithful. He was going to continue to stay faithful to the God who's been faithful to him all these years. He remembers that God has led him out of things that has took him from a prisoner of war to being second command of empires and being in charge of so many things and and being successful he knows this he realizes this so he stays faithful and he takes the risk and he opens his window faces jerusalem and prays three times a day just like he had always done would would you have taken that risk is that, is that something that you would have done? I mean, if I'm thinking of myself, if I'm speaking for me, 
I really would like to believe that I would do it. Like I would stay, you know, I'd take the risk, but I know me and I'm thinking I probably just pray in my head, you know, like just pray inside my head the way nobody knows, or maybe just not, you know, Daniel, keep the window closed, man. Why you got to open the window up? <laughs> you know, like, like just keep it shut for a minute or, and then pray and then open it back up and get you some fresh air or whatever you have to do. But I mean, I don't know. I, maybe that's not me being, having the faith that God would rescue me no matter what is happening. Maybe that's me saying, you know, I, I need more faith. I need more faith in my God who's been faithful to me. I, I, I don't know. I would like to believe that I would take that risk. But, man, you just don't know until you're faced with that situation. And, man, Daniel is very, very uh, prone to taking this risk, and he just knows what's coming. He doesn't care. And so he's willing to risk his life to remain faithful to God, and he's willing to risk his life to pray to his God. So why is risk-taking something that can lead us to a life that is worth living? How, how can that happen? Why is that something that I think? I was reading some um, articles from a psychologist who was talking about the effects of taking risk on our brain and on our, you know, our brain chemistry and on our personal lives and how it affects us in our day-to-day -day living. And there's several benefits to people who take risks. There's all kinds of benefits. And some of those are, but they're not limited to these nine, but there's nine of them here. Uh, one is unforeseen opportunities may arise when you take risks. Um, you may have an opportunity to learn something or whatever. Number two, you build confidence and develop new skills. Because by taking the new risk, you could learn something new. And you develop a sense of pride and accomplishment. You learn things you might not otherwise. You have the chance to actively pursue success. Um, for people who are creative, taking risks can spur creativity. It can, it can make you more creative. It can give you uh, 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 more you know, thoughts and more things to put down on paper or, or drawing or music or whatever you're doing that's creative. It can give you an opportunity to create change in your life. How many of us want change in our life? I mean, come on. Life gets kind of mundane sometimes, and we're doing the same thing every day. But if you take risk, it can give you the opportunity to create change in your life. It can help you develop emotional resilience. And finally, it can make you feel more engaged in everyday life, and it can make you feel more happy. And how many of us just want to be more happy? I mean, basically, that's what we're doing, right? That's what this whole thing called life is. We go to work, and we work hard to make money so we can buy things that make us happy. Is that right? We want to be happy. We want to, have, we want to be comfortable. That's what we want. And people who take risks are generally, generally more happy. They're more engaged. And they have all these different ri these benefits from taking those risks. So how do you start? And what has been stopping us from taking risk? What, what have we been doing and what are we afraid of that's keeping us from taking these risks? You know, and sometimes when we think about risks taking, we think of huge things like, like uh, skydiving. <laughs> that's a big risk, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things that could go wrong during a skydiving event. And, you know, I just don't trust the parachute. I'm sorry. I know that they can hold up, but I mean, I just, I can't, I can't do it. So you probably will never see a Facebook post like, hey, just jumped out of an airplane because it's awesome. You probably won't see that from my Facebook profile. That's too big, all right? That's too much. And plus, I noticed, I don't know about you guys, but as I get older, I get more afraid of things. Is, it, is that just me? Like, 
<laughs> when I was 18 to 25, I would ride any roller coaster that you put in front of me. Any of them, all of them, just give, bring them all. 25 to 29, I start having like many panic attacks when I think about going up and then coming straight down. Me and Donna got on one at Dollywood, and after I got off, I was like, Donna, my hands are numb. My hands are numb. <laughs> I thought I was having a heart attack. I was like, thank God she's a heart, you know, she does the heart stuff. I was like, I think I'm dying. <laughs> I, I was, that actually, no, that's not the last one I rode. But anyway, that's the last big, big one I rode. I ain't doing that no more. I don't want that, all right? So, I mean, eh, I don't want that. <laughs> that's too big of a risk, all right? But what we can do, for those of us who are scaredy cats, we can take small risks every day that will cause us. And actually, the psychologist wrote that the people who do these small things instead of these huge things are the ones who have more of these benefits in their daily lives. And something small that you can do is talk to a stranger. Sometimes that works. I know if you want to learn how to talk to strangers, just follow Greg around for a day. He will teach you how to talk to strangers. Uh, he will talk to anybody. And he can have a full-blown conversation as if he has just lived life with them for his entire life. And it's awesome. And I mentioned the Dollywood trip. We were down there. And he was his feet started hurting, so we go in this shop where there's air conditioning. And Greg's like, you guys go on, ride, you know, whatever you want to do. I'll be here. And we went on. We had a good time. We rode the swings. We rode all kinds of different stuff. And we come back, and Greg's got this like group of people around him that he's accumulated, and he's got this big bearded dude that looks like Santa Claus, and Greg's just like grilling him, talking to him about Santa, and like you know, just like these all these people that you think he'd known his entire life that they just met up in you know Dollywood or whatever, but that's not the case. He's willing to take that risk, and doing that, you will have more happiness. You will see that it opens new opportunities. You learn things from people that you never thought you could learn, and. And that's a risk that we can all take. You can speak your mind. How many of us lay awake at night and think, man, I should have said that. Like, why didn't I just say that? I, I should have let them have it. Or I should have, you know, and it doesn't always have to be negative. It could be something positive. But maybe you're thinking, they don't want to hear that from me today. But sometimes just take that risk. Say that. Speak your mind. Allow that to be out in the air and out in the open. Stand up to an offensive joke at work or at school or wherever you're at. Stand up to that offensive joke. Like, you know, let people know that, hey, that wasn't cool. You shouldn't say stuff like that. It's okay. Take that risk. Travel somewhere new. Ask for something. Try a new type of food. Yeah. Huh? I asked this morning, has anybody ever tried, like, escargot or anything? Anybody in here? Lisette had it at Vanceburg campus, and she's like, I was like, was it good? She said, no. It was terrible. <laughs> so, and if you don't know what that is, it's snails. So, yeah, it's not going to be good. I mean, it's just, it's ugh, slimy. Ugh. All right. So, but anyway, I can't do it. So, I'm not trying that, but you can try other types of food. <laughs> Maybe you can try like alligator or something. I don't know. Stay away from snails. But anyway, break a pattern. Break a pattern. I get into habit. Like, I just fall into ruts. And I thrive when I'm in these like, pattern like I do everything the same all the time that's when I thrive the most I need to break patterns sometimes though and have risks in my life I need to get out of that does anybody else need to break patterns in their life man I need to do that I need to do something different from time to time and I I've been trying to do that. I've been trying to incorporate that into my life you can uh, call an old friend you can go back to school to learn a new trade 
Um, you can start a new business. That's a big risk nowadays. But you can pursue your dream job. You can learn a new sport. Maybe you want to learn how to play ping pong or something, or tennis or something. You can learn whatever. You can tell someone about your fears. And you'll notice that when you start telling people about your fears, those big fears become smaller fears. Because, man, fear loves darkness, and when you bring it to the light, it shrinks up to something small because it'll just tell you constantly that this is way bigger than it is. And then when you speak it out loud, it's like, oh, yeah, everybody else is dealing with this too? Cool. So it's not that bad, and I can handle it now. Like, it just helps. Share your fears with people. Do that. That's a risk you can take. Um, tell someone that you appreciate them. Tell someone you appreciate them. How many times do we take people in our life for granted? Anybody do that? Anybody take people for granted in their lifetime? Yeah. I mean, every day I try to tell Albie, I can honestly say that I don't take Albie for granted. Every day I try to tell her that she's awesome, that she's amazing. She's so organized. I'm not. She's just, she's awesome. And I try to let her know that every single day. But I do fail in telling other people. But as the body of Christ, we should be people who are building each other up constantly, telling people that we appreciate them, that we care about them, that, that man, you look good in that shirt, or, 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 or you did really good on that thing, or whatever, just continuously encouraging one another so that when we leave the church or when we leave this building, that we are uplifted, that we are feeling good and happy, and not only in this building, but throughout the week, message them, let them know. And just tell them, say, hey, I've been thinking about you. I appreciate you, and you're amazing. And just let them know. And you may think that, all oh, that's corny and weird, and they're going to think I'm stupid, but I promise you, you let somebody know that you appreciate them, that you care about them, and that's the farthest thing from their mind. They're thinking, wow, somebody actually does care, because we all need to hear that we are appreciated. And so do that. Don't take people for granted in your life. If you do this, you will find that taking these small risks every single day will help you live a life that is worth living. It will help you develop a new zest for life. You'll be more engaged in everyday activity. You'll be more happy. You'll have all these things. So overall, looking at this entire series that we've just done, all the different characteristics, what is the true cost of a life worth living? What does it cost us? You see, whenever Daniel was living his life, I don't think that he was necessarily living his life to live a life that was worth living. I think Daniel was just loving God and just serving to the best of his ability. I don't think that he was like, oh, I can, I'm going to do this, this, and this, this, and this. It just so happened that by doing, you know, loving God and by serving, it just so happened that he gained all these things through those things. And so if we would do that, if we would just, you know, pay the cost, which for us if we're looking at what his character traits are, is being disciplined, which we talked about in week one. You're never going to get anywhere in life, far anyway, without being disciplined. It takes discipline to go far in life. In school, it takes discipline. In your daily life, it takes discipline to be able to keep moving forward, to keep uh, growing and to keep doing things. It takes discipline. It takes being bold as a person, saying what needs to be said, and also being bold enough to be quiet sometimes and not saying what needs to be said. And if you remember, I told you that everything that is said should be true, but not everything that's true should be said. Amen? It's being principled. Going through life without a set of principles 
is setting yourself up for a life that is not worth living. Find some principles that you can put into your life and put into action and do that every single day. Live a principled life. It's being spirit-filled, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you and to flow through you freely and listening to that still small voice that tells you maybe you should take your neighbor $20 or, or maybe you should go make food for this person or, or maybe you should just call them and tell them that you're praying for them and pray over the phone with them or text them on Facebook or send them a text message or, or whatever that may be. Allow the Spirit to guide you and just watch, man. It'll do amazing things. You'll be, you'll be put into positions that you'll be like, man, that is God if you just allow yourself to allow the Spirit to lead you. You'll see your life changing and moving. It's being consistent. Being consistent in your prayer life, in your Bible reading, being consistent in your personal life and in your career, and begin working towards that consistency in your life. And last but not least, it's willing, being willing to take risks. Now, some of us, the biggest risk that we can possibly take is telling people that we are Christian. <laughs> Um, that's a huge risk for us sometimes in our work life or, or in our personal life because people uh, judge you or they look at you like you're going to judge them um, and they're afraid to be themselves around you. I notice this all the time at my work. People find out that I'm a youth pastor and they kind of clam up and they stop saying the things that they were saying around me or they stop acting the way that they used to and now they're all, yeah, I'm good and you know like, and I'm like, just, just, just be you. Like, I don't want this fake version of you that you think I want to see. I want to see you for you. I don't care that you're like that. Like, I can pray for you either way. Like, I know you're messed up because I'm messed up too, and nobody's perfect. Like, you don't, you don't need to act that way around me. And, and, but, you know, that's a risk for us, letting people know that, because people do act differently, and they, and they judge us, and they do things. And that's, that's a risk in itself. And, but I'm telling you, man, if you'll take that risk, you'll find that, man, life is so much better with God than it is without God. And, like, what do we have to lose overall, really? I mean, you could just make that decision and say, you know what, I'm going forward today, and I'm just going to make this decision to follow God. And if it's a terrible decision, and if you hate it, just stop doing it. Like, what, what do you have to lose? What's the risk there? There's not much, but if you, I guarantee you that if you follow him, if you start doing that and start living for Jesus and start applying these characteristics to your life, you won't want to go back to that other life. Now, will you mess up? Yes. Will your life still have problems? Yes. I'm not saying it's a cure-all, fix-all. I'm just saying that God is so much better on your side than against you. I promise you that, and you will see that God loves you. He has a plan for you, and he wants you to succeed. He genuinely does, and so man, what, what do we have to lose? <laughs> like, what's the risk? I encourage you to take these traits, take the decision to follow Jesus seriously, and continue to move forward. If you guys will stand with me today, <clears throat> I just want to invite each of you to begin new today. To make a decision today to say, you know what, I'm just going to follow Jesus. I'm going all in. I'm taking the risk. No matter what, I want to apply these characteristics to my life. I want to do something different. I want to take risks. I want to be a risk taker. I want to change things and do things. And, and that's just what I want. And so if that's you today, with everybody with their eyes closed and their head bowed, if that's you, would you just lift your hand today and just say, yeah, I want to do that. Amen. God sees that hand. God sees that. Amen. Awesome. Hands all over the place. 
There's more. Who else wants to take risks? Yes, I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. You can go ahead and put them down. And we'll just say a prayer together. And you can say something like this to Jesus in your heart and just say, uh, Father God, I appreciate you. I appreciate what your son did for me on the cross. God, I accept that free gift of salvation that you've given me. And God, I just I thank you so much. I'm, I'm tired of living my way. I'm tired of doing things my way. And I just want you to be the Lord of my life. So today, I make you the Lord of my life. Take over. Allow your spirit to flow through me as you see fit. God, help us, every single one of us, God, to be more of a risk taker, to be more like Daniel in our everyday lives, God. Someone who is disciplined and bold and consistent and spirit-filled, God. Help us to have these characteristics in our lives that it will help us lead lives that are worth living. We love you so much, and we thank you for the blessings that you've given us, and we just ask that you continue to pour those blessings out. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.